You're listening to the Remax Hustle Podcast, brought to you by Remax of Western Canada. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Remax Hustle Podcast. My name is Wade Patterson. I'm a franchise development consultant with Remax of Western Canada, and I'm your host for this audio experience. The Remax Hustle Podcast is all about providing you with value by leveraging the knowledge and expertise of our Remax network. On this episode, I'm joined by Sarah Kelke of Remax Real Estate Edmonton. A born and raised Edmontonian, Sarah started in real estate as a front desk receptionist and has since become one of the highest producing Remax sales associates in Western Canada. In 2017, 2018, and 2019, Sarah was a Titan Club Award recipient, and she received her Lifetime Achievement Career Award in 2017. Sarah is also the creator and host of the Badass Women of Real Estate podcast, which can be found on all of your major podcast apps. Sarah, welcome to the Remax Hustle podcast. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you here. And so my understanding is you have a classical music degree and even considered going down the path of pursuing law as a career. What ultimately led you into real estate? Money. (laughs) (laughs) For real. I finished my classical music degree and, well, it's really, the answer should be money and horses. Because if you know anything about horses, they require a lot of money. So the money was just for the horses, really. But um, I had a classical music degree, loved classical music, loved being a performing musician, was planning on going to Europe to be a full-time musician. And my uncle and my dad had a conversation. And my dad happened to mention one of his greatest regrets in life was that he was never able to get me a horse. Because I was like one of those horse crazy little girls. We grew up in, you know, just a very average house, you know, always struggled a little bit uh, with money. And horses are definitely not on the table if you're struggling a little bit. And so um, they're really not on the table, even if you're doing fine for most people. (laughs) So I really wanted to. and, And my uncle at the time was like, what? Sarah likes horses? And he got all excited. He went out three days later and bought a horse for me to ride. It was a horrible, rank, (laughs) wild, just the worst horse of life. It was this little fat red horse. And, um, you know, it'd run off, it would buck, it would pull back. And I rode it six days a week. I was so excited. I was, you know, in college, but I got to live that dream that I had when I was a little girl and wanted to be a cowgirl so desperately. So. That was a summer that turned into, oh, I'll take a year off of being a musician and, you know, make some money and save up and then I'll go to Europe. But that whole time I kept riding horses and it, I also, and this does have a huge part to play, I met my husband, well, soon to be husband uh, at the time. And what we realized is, or what I realized is that I loved being in Edmonton. I loved horses. I loved obviously my husband. And so I decided to stay. So I worked for a family friend who was a real estate agent at the time. Well, he first kind of got me a job answering the phone. So, you know, literally my start in real estate was making coffee for the, you know, the lowest of the low agents. So I'm like, no, no, like you didn't even start at the beginning. I started like (laughs) lower than the beginning. Although it definitely isn't when you know anything about offices that staff are gold. And So I started, then I became an assistant, then became a licensed assistant. And I realized that, for one, I really liked real estate, which was shocking because when I was a kid, I always thought like, 
what everybody thinks about realtors, that they're like <laughs> creepy and like sleazy and, you know, it's just this kind of awful um, money hungry business. But when you're in it, you start to see how much you help people and you change their lives. So it really started out that I, I changed careers and all of these different things because I wanted to make money. And I, I worked it just enough to, I thought I'd go to law school. But everybody in my office, there's a great community in that office at the time, especially when I was there. And they all came by my office. They're like, Sarah, you should do this. You could be a real estate agent because I was hustling. I was there, you know, nine every morning and I'd stay in the busy season till 11 o'clock at night, pretty well, you know, five, six days a week. And they're like, you have what it takes. You could be a great real estate agent. I was like, no, no, studying, going to go to law school. They're like, no, really, you should be a real estate agent. And they kind of convinced me. They're like, if you be a lawyer, you're going to be a slave for so long. Mm. <laughs> you know, you're, you're articling in law school and all this stuff, and you, you won't get to live this great life. They're like, we have pretty awesome lives as real estate agents. You should think about it. So kind of one thing led to another, and I ended up in real estate selling houses so that I could afford horses. And now I own five horses. Uh, and I get to show competitively. I show in uh, two sports called cutting and cow horse, both of which are extremely expensive, and uh, which anything to do with horses are. And now I have a horse crazy little girl. So um, yeah, it's been a, a fun journey, one I wasn't expecting, but here I am selling real estate. In the big scheme of things, you've reached an impressive level of success by most standards, fairly quickly, but it was still years of consistent hard work. What about your approach to the business do you think led to that success? The first thing was I paid my dues. A lot of people in real estate jump right into selling and really want to have a well-run, well-oiled machine right off the bat, but it takes time. The best thing that I could have done was be an assistant for five years because I learned the back end and I tweaked the back end. My job was to make sure that we were profitable, which is something a lot of real estate agents don't think about, that we had really solid systems and, and that we had really exceptional client care every step of the way. Those are things that you don't learn in real estate school. So when I became a real estate agent, for one, everybody I knew already kind of looked at me as an authority. Because they knew that I had been in the industry for a long time, that, you know, I worked for a really successful agent. And so they already saw me as someone that they could come to and they wanted to have work for them. After that, the biggest thing is just grit and perseverance. You just put in the time, you put your head down, just keep getting a little bit better every day. And it seems now like, oh, wow, you know, these are such amazing results. And I feel like they're amazing because it has given me a, a really, truly amazing life. But like you said, it's a long runway. I'll talk about this in my talk tomorrow for the Remax conference that, you know, growth is a hockey stick. For a long time, you're just putting in energy. You're putting in energy. It's like melting an ice cube. You know, you can raise the temperature of the room one degree. And it doesn't seem like anything's happening. The ice just looks the same. But all of a sudden, you know, you have a change of state. Uh, and that's what real estate is really like. It takes a long time and a lot of years of building, but it's, it's exponential growth. You just can't see it until all of a sudden you hockey stick and everyone's like, wait, what? She came out of nowhere. I'm like, 
they say it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, 100%. And since you mentioned it there, so we're recording this one day before Activate at Home. The time that the podcast is going to be released is probably the week after. But for those who maybe didn't catch the live presentation, the title of the speech is The Roadmap from Zero to 100. So what is that speech all about? And what is the lesson you try to get across? Well, it's October right now, and everybody is starting to look forward to next year and business planning. And I've gone to dozens and dozens of conferences, and everybody always talks about, you know, how to be the 1%, you know, how to be the top 1%. And my talk always of, you know, how I've got to speak on stages uh, all across North America has been, you know, she sells 100 homes a year on her own, and it's so cool, and I get up there, and it's like, here's how you sell more houses. But what I'm talking about tomorrow is a little bit closer to home, especially after everything we've all gone through in 2020 with uh, coronavirus, with Black Lives Matter, with the election, with just so much instability in our worlds. It would be strange to get up and talk about selling 100 homes a year as the most important thing. So it's really about this journey that I think all of us have been on, which is that we want to plan our businesses, yes, but we want to plan our businesses so that they're compatible with our life and they feed into our lives instead of running our lives. And I am an actual real estate agent. You know, I, I have a coaching business and, you know, I run online courses and, you know, I, I love that stuff. But I am truly a real estate agent. I'm in the arena with everybody every day. And I know how hard it is to be a real estate agent, especially this year. So the talk is all about finding your 100, your 100% life, your 100% passion, your 100% fulfillment, and the ability to look back at the end of the year and say, I did it right. My priorities were straight. You know, I, I, yes, I sold a bunch of houses and the bank account's bigger, but more importantly, I did it how I'm proud of. One of the things you said earlier is that one of the keys to your success was, was that element of grit. And so how have you found that balance? So many things, I mean, you mentioned there as well, coaching online course, an incredibly successful real estate agent, and then all of the personal lives, the horses. I mean, how do you, how do you make it all work? It's a great question. And I will not sit here and tell anybody listening to the podcast that they should live my life necessarily. It's you get put on stage for stuff that it sounds really impressive. But a year like last year, I just went all out. That's that's all it was. I just worked really hard all the time. Um, to some people, that's a great life. To me, I love it. I love horses. My idea of fun is a horse show where I wake up at five in the morning and I don't go to bed till one in the morning that night. You know, that to me is like the best holiday. But the biggest thing I think is that I know what I want. And in a world where moms and women and people in general are told what to want all the time, when I set out to do so many things all at once, it's because I really want to, and I love it. And I think the example is not, oh, you could do, you know, these 28 impressive things and, you know, like all these check boxes and whatever. It's if you really know what you want desperately, you will make it happen. Even if for a time it seems like a lot of stuff, 
Uh, to me, that's really fun and I've loved it. I've also way overdone it. You know, I've literally gone through uh, burnout, especially, you know, in March this year. And I think a lot of people did because all the stuff that we did that was so awesome and that kept us going and busy. And, you know, it's just like one thing after the other, after the other and sales. And we had to pause. And I really had a big like life epiphany where I was like, man, like I've been wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting, but I've also been living like I only have a year to do everything I want to in. And that's the kind of life that, you know, gets put up on stages where, you know, it seems really impressive, but I was like, man, this is, this is totally nuts. It's, it's like too much. So, you know, when people ask me that stuff, I'm like, I don't want to say you can do it. You should slice your time. You should do more with less. There's a big culture of productivity, which means do as much as you possibly can in the 15 hours a day that you're up there hustling and grinding. And I think a lot of us this year have realized being productive is kind of overrated. Being in the pause is a lot more beautiful. Living your life is a lot more beautiful. Interested in learning more about a career in real estate? Head over to joinremax.ca. You may get the prize for creating the best speech names. There was a talk you did last year titled The Four Horsemen of the Real Estate Apocalypse and How to Save Yourself. So my question for you, Sarah, what is the real estate apocalypse and how do agents save themselves? Uh, thank you. Yes, that was, a, that was a fun title. I think the other one that I liked was Stop Being So Effing Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, in Vegas. I got to go give that talk. So the four horsemen of the real estate apocalypse. If you've ever gone to marriage counseling, which I have, and it's a public thing, you know, I talk about it. Because it's important that people understand, especially real estate agents like myself that are really obsessive, we get so focused on success that we forget about things like hanging out with our husband. Um, and that's not really good. So what there is, is there's this Gottman Institute and there's the four horsemen of a relationship apocalypse. And it, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but it's like contempt, distrust. There's all these four and they're, they're really, really useful. But basically, what I started to see was that the relationship the public has with agents is not a good one. We're sometimes seen as a necessary evil where, you know, not all the time, obviously. I mean, the people listening to this podcast largely probably have a huge fan base and love their clients and the clients on them back. But they know what I'm talking about, where, you know, the agent is like, oh, those guys are overpaid and they make all this money. And um, you know, then you do kind of avoidance where you're trying not to have to deal with the agent. And then eventually you start stonewalling where things really start to fall apart. So the talk that I gave was all about all of these problems and just shining light on them and saying, hey, you know, when I'm speaking to an audience of a couple hundred or 500 real estate agents, I don't want to go there and just be like, rah, rah, everything's amazing. I want to go there and be like, hey, Everything is amazing, probably for most of you, but we have to be really good at what we do, especially in this new digital age. We have to get better. So the biggest thing that I talked about in that speech was shifting from ego-focused real estate practices, which is awards-based, you know, production-based, um, 
closing uh, objection handlers base. You know, I want what I want, which is I want the sale. So I'm going to push you until I get it. And that's the kind of dark underbelly of real estate, right? It's hard to say it. We don't want to talk about it, but that's what a lot of the traditional training in real estate has been too. It's been, you know, here's how you objection handle. Here's how you close people. Here's how you, you know, get it done and really push people to make decisions sometimes before they feel ready to make them. So when people step out of this ego focus and they step into a service focus, it starts to be a healthier relationship. In a relationship where things are falling apart, both sides are playing the victim. If you've spent time in most real estate Facebook groups, you know a lot of real estate agents, they complain and talk like they're the victim. They have phrases like buyers are liars, right? We've all heard that stuff. And that's, that's frankly, is not true for one. And it's like super insulting to customers. But there's a sense of entitlement that was happening that I didn't like. So when you make the shift to thinking about the relationship, thinking about the other person first, it's kind of the golden rule, if you will, you start to heal this brokenness between the public and us. And people come back to seeing realtors as professionals, as advocates. And I've always said, we're stewards of the process. We're not curing cancer here. <laughs> you know, we're not doing things that really make it like make us worthy of being up on pedestals. So we have to be careful that we, we make a shift and are giving more than we're taking in these relationships with our clients. You've done something else that not too many real estate agents have done. A couple have, but that is launch your own podcast. And it, it's an awesome podcast. I've been listening uh, to quite a few episodes over the last couple of weeks. It's called The Badass Women of Real Estate. And as I mentioned in the bio, it is available in all the major podcast apps. Why did you decide to create a podcast? Well, I love podcasts because I'm a realtor and I spend all my time in my car. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I always joke that it's my second home, maybe my first home some, some days, but it's, I love listening to podcasts and there are a lot of podcasts out there. I've, I was interviewed on several podcasts before I started one and they were all about the same thing, which is a lot of successful guys who do a really good job, but, you know, for every guy that was interviewed, there was, you know, maybe every five guys, there'd be one woman. In the States, I have to check the facts for sure, but if I'm not mistaken, it's 62% of real estate agents are women. 62%, yet the representation in these podcasts and on stage and in coaching, especially, you know, and all of the people who are telling us what to do, it's like 80 to 90% men. So as much, you know, and it's, it's not so much about like women versus men. It's about making sure that our voices are heard because not everybody sees things the same way. The other thing is I think a lot of being a woman in our world today is it's not celebrated so much if you have a super kick-ass career. Well, I guess that's maybe celebrated, but it really isn't celebrated is if you have balance. If you're a great mom, you know, there's no like up on stage, you get to give a talk when you're like a really amazing mom and you sell 40 houses a year. That's not like a stage thing. So I wanted to bring that and say, you know, these are all these women that are doing amazing things and they have all this courage. And the, the theme of the first season 
was if she can, we all can. And that was the point of it. And the next season's coming out uh, soon, but it, it's going to have a slightly different different feel to it. But. Can, you, can you talk about the different feel it's going to have? Yeah. Uh, our next season is a lot more tactical. So I love hearing people's stories. And that was really what season one was all about, was just the stories of all these like amazing super badasses. Now we're talking more nitty gritty. So it's more about, you know, she did it so you can do it and breaking down things like YouTube videos. You know, how do you get the idea and actually execute it? And how do you have the courage to put yourself out there? So uh, that's really what it's all about. It's just a little bit more technical and great thing because it's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Above and beyond your transaction numbers, you've been incredibly generous in your charitable giving to causes such as Stollery Children's Hospital, the Edmonton Humane Society, and Walk to Remember. Why is charitable giving important to you? Besides the very personal side to it, um, most people, if they've heard me speak, they know that my first daughter passed away. And it was unexplained. They didn't really have any answers. And that just happens. We live in a world where there's diagnoses for everything. You know, everybody has like their torch that they bear, you know, their walk that they do or their whatever. But people don't deal well with the unexplained, the unexpected. So when I was in that space, there were people who worked for a lot of nonprofits, for, you know, the Stollery, for people like that who really helped us out. So, of course, that's a big part personally. The, the reason that anyone listening to this podcast should be giving on a regular basis, you don't have to give a lot, but make it part of your business practice and, you know, your spiritual practice. It's because giving is the great multiplier. Most of what we talk about in real estate and coaching and all of this stuff is addition math. It's, you know, okay, you add one marketing piece, you do one more Facebook video, you know, you're going to add, and frankly, in real estate, it's like add and add and add and add and add and add. Now you have to have, you know, a podcast and a video channel and a YouTube channel and a Facebook page and an Instagram account. You have to post on Instagram stories like eight times a day. And, you know, like there's a lot for people to do, but it's all addition. It's all, okay, plus one, plus one, plus one. The thing that's a great multiplier in our world, and you can go to any spiritual practice. And it always talks about the same thing, which is that giving gets multiplied back to you. And obviously you don't give with that as the, as the main purpose. But if you're an agent and you're sitting there and you're overwhelmed by all the addition that you're supposed to be doing, remember the world, God works in mysterious ways, right? And when you give it always comes back to you. Now, there's two types of giving. One is raising awareness giving. And that is something that I did a lot of at the beginning with the Stellar Children's Hospital and the Children's Miracle Network and the stuff that Remax does. Because people have to know that charities are out there and they have to know that the people in their community are giving back. It's important, but that's not the multiplication mm-hmm. giving. The multiplication giving is the stuff you do when no one's watching. It's the giving that you do, not for the Instagram selfie of you in the soup kitchen being like, hey, check it, you know, I'm so awesome, um, you know, wrapping the presents and posting them on Instagram. It is non-Instagrammable giving that you do. It's stuff you do in private. It's stuff that you do, you know, people you're helping out and not talking about it. 
That's, I think, where a lot of realtors listening to this will know deeply in their own heart of circumstances where they've helped out clients. They haven't talked about it. Sometimes we don't even tell our clients, you know, yeah, we took care of that refrigerator. We, you know, got the house cleaned or we did whatever. I mean, I've stayed up with a newborn in a house cleaning it till two in the morning. That's what we do. And we, we have to remember that giving is so, so important. It's important as realtors just to give back to our community, but it's also important in our lives as a great multiplier. Yeah, such a good perspective. And Sarah, since this is the Remax Hustle podcast, we like to end every episode with what we call a hustle tip. What is your Remax hustle tip for accomplishing a task when you really need to get something done? A lesson I learned a long time ago was if it takes two minutes or less, do it now. And that is, if someone texts you and you can answer it quickly, if you have enough time to read it, you have enough time to respond to it. Now, I'm not perfect in this scenario, but it certainly helped me. The other thing that goes along with that is utilizing elbow time, like elbow room. I call it elbow time. And that's if you have an extra 15 minutes before your next client gets somewhere, uh, you know, before they arrive, or if you have an extra 15 minutes at home, use that time like your hair's on fire. Mm -hmm. Like you have to burn through that email list and get it to zero. Every time I open my email, I'm like, okay, just get down five get down five. You know, if it's 26 new emails and I, I'm like an inbox zero person, there's 26 emails. I'm like, get down to five, get down to five. And I'll take that two little minutes and get it done. And that helps so, so much. So you don't feel so overwhelmed all the time. That's awesome. You're going to be episode 65. And I don't think we've heard those two tips yet. So great job on the hustle tips. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to share your knowledge on this episode of the Remax Hustle podcast. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And that's all for this episode. We hope you took away an idea or strategy to help grow your business and perhaps most importantly, allow you to continue that Remax Hustle. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Remax Hustle podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and rate this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from.